Welcome to the Ghostwriter and Pup Podcast, a little show about the creative conversations and stories that matter the most to today's up-and-coming writers, artists, innovators, and creators all around the world. I'm Jody Aberdeen. Welcome back. It is July. We are midway through July of 2020 as of this recording. And we are still in the midst of COVID-19 and everything else that's come with this dumpster fire of a year. (laughs) I can't lie. You know what? 2020, I've been personally dealing with the anxiety with the changes as best as I can. I think I've done well enough to survive and to keep going. And in that respect, I am grateful. We should be able to ex- to express gratitude for what's working even in this horrible year. Contrary to the popular narrative. But it makes sense that so many of us want to talk about how bad the year is because it's quite horrible, especially if we've lost a loved one to COVID-19, if we have been sick with it and are still dealing with some of the symptoms that linger. And if you have been affected economically, personally, by the shutdown, the quarantine, the lockdowns, etc. It's a new world that we're living in. And as with any type of troubled times, we want to tell stories about it. So I, I wanted to dedicate today's episode to this notion of what storytelling, especially in fiction, especially in writing, could look like in the post-COVID-19 world. Specifically, are we writing stories about COVID-19? I've noticed that when I look at movies and TV shows, the vast majority of which were produced and released before any of this happened, I'm already finding my reactions to certain things that they do in these (laughs) that would have been different had I watched this, had I watched the show or whatever it is in January. Every time I see characters hanging out in groups bigger than five or ten, I get a little cringy. There's a couple of them. I watch a lot of food shows. I've seen a few of them sharing food, going to wet night markets in places that, well, you're not entirely sure. And you knew that ahead of time when you were going that the sanitation standards were a little lax, but you didn't mind because you were eating the food anyway, and it's part of the experience. But now all that's changed. I see people shaking hands, kissing, hugging. It's just a little crazy uh, to see those very simple, very universal human behaviors in the within the context of a virus where we're not supposed to be touching each other and keeping at least two meters away. And of course, people walking into storefronts, supermarkets and restaurants without wearing masks. A lot has changed. It's only been well for since Canada lockdown. Really, if we're if we're counting, it's only been four months as of this recording and so much has changed and so naturally we're looking there's a lot of people who are looking ahead to storytell to telling different stories about what has been going on because it's hard as much as there is a great deal of uncertainty right now the human tendency in such times is to hope for something better and for creative writers especially Our opportunity that many of us have been taking up, including myself, I'll talk about that in a moment, is to show the world as it could be on the other side of this crisis, however that looks. Now, depending on how brightly or darkly you would like to dream, this is the opportunity to tell some really amazing, positive future, utopian storytelling. It could be that maybe you want to, you don't really, you really don't see any hope and this is, you're, and you're going to write dystopias. But I have a hunch it's going to be most of the, mostly the first one, the idea of a bright utopian future. I think that's going to come back. That's my own personal prediction. We spent most of the 20, the 2000s and the 2010s in that whole trend of dystopian fiction or the darker and grittier retellings of things like Batman, Battlestar Galactica, Lost. Uh, these iterations of shows and, and stories that were you know, skeptical of authority, pessimistic about human nature, 
and understandably so. But when you compare it, those types of stories to the era in which they were compared to what's happening now, I don't know, my theory, I have a, I have a, I guess you could call it an equilibrium theory. I have a theory that in difficult times, sorry, in rather in every, every era has its own challenges. After all, the 2000s were not a picnic. We saw, we had 9-11 to begin off the decade and we had the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. We had the changes in the, in the world order, the growth of this kind of, you know, divisiveness in, especially in American political culture, but, you know, in our own society, you know, we, we weren't really, it was difficult. It was challenging. And yet, when we look back now with nostalgia at that era, we also see that it wasn't as bad as it is now. The economy still functioned as imperfectly as it does, and stores were still open. You, you could hug people. It's not even that complicated, y'all. <laughs> Better or worse are value judgments, and you could have any different criteria. But frankly, within my mind frame in this COVID world, I'm looking back on those times, the 2000s and 2010s, as being I could hug people, I could give people high five, I could play softball, I could go to a restaurant without having an anxiety attack five minutes in, I can. Uh, I can hear somebody cough and not f worry that uh, I'm going to catch something that's either going to kill me or kill or debilitate uh, people close to me by transmission. It, uh, by that criteria, those were better times. You know, and, and it's funny, we talk about innocence a lot when we look back in the past. Innocence is very rarely something you experience in the moment. It's often a creation of reflection, looking back on what we perceive to be better times and thinking, wow, we didn't know the stuff that we know now. How innocent were we? And that, that applies whether you're looking back to your childhood or even just six months ago. Anyway, it's with that in mind that I started writing the Variations of Paris or Variations of Paris. There's no the. <laughs> variations of Paris is my own science fiction utopian novel, my current work in progress. I am three chapters, almost three chapters in as of this writing. And uh, what it is, is it's set in the year 2053, which is the most optimistic forecast I've seen for at least the disease. Now, we still have economic injustice and upheaval, and we still have climate change issues. Those did not go away. There's like a dozen other diseases that are always poised to become the next pandemic that we still have to watch for. They didn't take a vacation because COVID showed up on the scene. So... Writing a utopia that's set only 30, yes, 30 or uh, 33 years from now is a bit of a gamble because we really don't know. So I've created one nonetheless that is rooted in the very realities of this current era and where we have found solutions to them. And that have led to, among other things, the resumption of global travel using highly advanced, uh, highly advanced air travel craft that we don't have today. I am trying not to spoil it too much. So, it takes. It's about. It's about a, a main character named Aliette, who's from Montreal, who grew up under lockdown, and is looking to visit Paris for the first time in her life. And now that the way has been opened at that point, we have gotten a handle on the climate crisis, not perfectly, but it's starting to get better. Got a, we've got a handle on pandemics. We have a new social order that is more equitable and seems to be less intense than what we're dealing with now. And so there's a return to that innocence of simple travel and of the fantasy of experiencing the romance of Paris. Now, I come up with that concept, I came up with that concept when I was in Paris in the, in the fall of 2019, sitting on, I remember where I was, I was sitting at, <laughs> kind of a, a paradoxically, um, a bistro, on the terrace of a bistro in Montmartre called Le Vrai Paris, which uh, nonetheless was suited predominantly for tourists, pedestrians, but it still had that great everything you can imagine in that moment about being in Paris and being a flaneur and wandering, you know, what they call somebody who wanders around the city just to explore and see what they see. 
sitting on a terrace and uh, sipping some nice coffee and I forget what that liquor is called, but uh, having that and Calvados, <laughs> a little glass of Calvados. I had the idea for this science fiction trip, but the the story for variations did not really catch fire. It didn't really get traction with me until about two weeks into this lockdown. I realized, damn, I'm so glad I went to Paris when I had the chance. So that's what's motivating me to write this. You can find variations of Paris. I'm I'm uh, trying something new. I'm putting variations of Paris on Wattpad. I'm releasing it a chapter at a time over. A fairly regular period partly to build up some fans in advance of the novel itself which I haven't decided how I'm going to publish it yet but once it's completed I will have it available and uh, this is the type of story that I think not only do I want to tell for my own mental health and sanity in this time but I think will also resonate with many people I think this is the type of vision that we need of being on the other side of this crisis even if we ourselves won't live to see it i know by 2053 depending on the time of year i'll be either 72 or 73. will i have survived any everything that's going to happen in between because there's going to be a lot even in the story i don't um i'm not i'm not sugarcoating it we're going to be in that story world which is the world that's immediately ahead of us here if that future were to come true we have a lot of upheaval yet to come, friends, so we we better brace ourselves for that. And I think it's good to hope for something good on the other side of it, even if we don't get to experience it ourselves. And if I was the only one thinking this, I think I'd be a little, well, I'd be either genius or, frankly, crazy or both, whatever. Um, but I'm not. This is part of the trend I've already noticed in many of the small writing communities that I'm part of on social media, that people are beginning to tell their COVID-19 stories, to write those novels, to get those ideas out onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers around the world, thanks to this beautiful thing we have called the internet, which I'm very grateful that we have during lockdown. Can you imagine if this took place in 1993? Yeesh. <laughs> and this Wattpad strategy is really amazing, and I'm not gonna talk about it too much because the uh, I want to this this episode features an interview, and we're about to get into it now, with Rebecca Yeager, who has created her own self-publishing author services uh, called Becca's Best. She's available at you can check her out at Becca'sBest.com online as well as on Facebook. You can send her a message if you're curious about her services. Now, she introduced me to this Wattpad strategy and got me very excited about it because I saw I saw an opportunity there to build up some excitement for the book that I'm writing, as well as to help promote the existing books that I have. And most importantly, just to find an outlet, a creative outlet that seems to, that has the promise of supplementing some of my income through book sales, which is the goal, right? We we're writing all of these because we want to have, we want to be able to make some money. And I'm not talking about mansions anymore. I think, um, you know, frankly, I think that's irrelevant in the COVID age. I think many of us just want to be able to pay our rent and buy groceries. And having multiple income streams is not just for the rich, it's not just for the self-help seminar crowd, who, you know, the rah-rah Tony Robbins firewalking crowd. It's now for people who just need to pay, feed their kids and have to deal with often unscrupulous landlords or uh, just, just, just officials, whatever, right? We have, there's a lot that we got to deal with and we need the money to do it. And right now money is a little hard to come by through traditional means. So... Without further ado, I want to share my interview with uh, Rebecca Yeager and how, and, and how this COVID age is affecting the creative writing industry. So um, actually, let me, read, let me read the About Me page off of her website. I love doing this, and I realize I'm skipping a step. Uh, Rebecca Yeager is a 23-year-old from Wisconsin, born and raised in the land of beer and cheese, the most traveling she's ever done is in the books that she has read. She loves reading so much that at times it's like an addiction. Her vision is to turn aspiring authors into independent inspirations, acting as a literary agent, but for the self-publishing author. She helps with in-depth critique, copy editing, proofreading, marketing, and industry tips and tricks. And 
as uh, you'll see in the interview near the end, she's very modest about her abilities. She's uh, amazing at what she does. And so here is my interview with Rebecca Yeager. All right, Becca, thanks for joining me today. Um, it's been been a crazy ass week. <laughs> I don't thanks know I, for having me. It's yeah. been a crazy world, if I have to say so myself. Yeah, and it's it's that's true. It's been a crazy four months, a crazy year, just everything. And it's it's trickling down into the storytelling world as um as as you've no doubt seen. Mm -hmm. So I, I and and talking about this idea of COVID fiction storytelling. So you've been helping me with my new manuscript uh, variations of Paris which I didn't it didn't originally start out as the COVID tale because I got the idea when I was in Paris before all of this happened in, in September of 2019 and it was just kicking around in my subconscious until everything started happening and then I started seeing the ideas kind of congealing in really interesting ways now um, you're helping me with a Wattpad we, we'll talk about we'll come back to this uh, later on but uh, you're helping mm -hmm. me with a Wattpad strategy and we'll, we'll talk about that later but um, as somebody, you, you're doing story services, um, uh, basically book marketing services, right? You're in this creative realm. What have you seen in terms of authors um, in the COVID age? What, what, are, what are the types of things they're talking about? Well, I've been really surprised about how many are adapting COVID to their writing. Um, you see in the romance community them like doing romance stories around COVID about like wearing the mask and like it being a mystery to figure out who this person is and it becoming like a new part of reality. There, there's people everywhere and every day that like this whole situation has completely shifted their mindset and so when we're writing we're seeing those changes like manifest in the writing. Um, setting worlds and setting timelines in the current COVID situation and imagining how it plays out, uh, you know, what it's going to look like five years from now, what it's going to look like 50 years from now, what it feels like right now to walk around not knowing what's going on. Um, the economy is in the biggest recession since probably forever. Um, on this sort of scale because it's the entire world. It's not just an individual country. It's not just an individual recession. I mean, everybody's feeling it, um, shutting down, being quarantined, being at home, and realizing that this is what life is going to be like going forward um, and that we're going to have to make adaptions to it. Um, yeah, and, and it's just while they're quarantined, a lot of them are also deciding this is the great time. This is the time we should write the story. We should write this book. Yeah, well, because we're escaping from everything, too. I mean, let's use regular entertainment for an example. Uh, Tiger King happened to release at the exact same time that COVID happened, and everybody immediately just dove into that because that was an easier conversation to have. Um, would that show yeah. have done as well without COVID? with people not being stuck at home, sitting on their couches. I mean, yeah, it would have been trending for maybe a week, but like three weeks of everybody just raging about this event that happened pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. Like to think that it and, just happened less than a decade ago. Yeah. Um, and blaming Carol Baskin for everything. And, and just, yeah. <laughs> honestly, Florida, I have no better comment. Um, <laughs> But like that's part of like the the creative process is taking our current environment and kind of exploring that in a new way and in a different perspective through writing. Um, you know, it's writing is a manifestation of our imagination, and we get to kind of take this new scenario that nobody really even believed possible, um, and envision it in a different way and try and either escape from it or find a different perspective on it and mm. realize like what we're going to do with it. Yeah. Um, so do you notice uh, who are these writers that you've seen? Do they tend to be particularly younger people? Do they tend to be older people? Do, do you notice any trends? Um, for some people, 
I would definitely say the younger generation because we're a lot more likely to talk about it. Um, I've been seeing a lot with just some of the older generations beyond millennials that are mm -hmm. still kind of in denial that this is even really happening. Um, it's almost like because you know they may have gone through some of the other different recessions and like because society made it through they're just like okay well we'll, we'll be fine we just gotta like push through this but I, COVID isn't something you can beat with just like pure strength and toughness yeah um I think because it's a completely different thing than they've ever encountered before they're still it's like when technology became a thing like they're still resistant mm -hmm. to the evolution and adaptations of technology and that's the same thing with the situation with COVID is it's a new evolution and adaptation that we've never seen before yeah. um, so the younger generations are much and they have to face it like this is think about the high schoolers that graduated this year yeah. and how vastly different their graduation was in comparison to what they were told their entire lives is what they were going to experience Oh, I remember just being a senior five years ago and, you know, having my teachers being just like all of this hype around this sort of situation. And now it's, it feels like a blimp in history, like that they've kind of been like this forgotten generation of like, mm -hmm. schools are shut down. You're not really allowed to go and see anybody. Um, you're supposed to work, but then like not work and like, Mm -hmm. they're so confused um so yeah. of course they're going to be pouring out into either outlets to escape the situation or try and like comprehend the situation in a new way um yeah and i think and, that, oh sorry go ahead go ahead i was gonna say i just think that's a really great coping mechanism um for dealing with like the mental health of the overall situation of putting yourself into something into a different world or another world that can explain what's going on. Absolutely. Um, and you, you think about that, like I look back on, I graduated from high school way back in 98 and it was a foregone conclusion that it was gonna happen. And you're right, these, these sort of iconic um, moments in your life, anybody who happened to have those moments taking place over the last now seven months almost, right? just didn't have them and what happens how do you process that as you said right and, and moving you know sharing the stories right I mean I could see some so like there's you know there's um there's thematic considerations off the top of my head I could easily see someone the graduation that might have been I, I think I've seen a couple of little blog entries coming up right and imagine that was like just a trending video type thing is like mm -hmm. graduation commencement speeches yeah. You know, like they were just popping up everywhere. Uh, like I have a cousin that I barely ever talked to that graduated this year, but like I remember when she was born. Um, mm -hmm. And it was just like it, like, it took me a moment to be like, her graduation was a drive-through parade, <laughs> you know, and like a virtual commencement speech um, where, do I disagree that that may be a better option? Because mine was in a stuffy gym and I couldn't hear anything that was said the entire time and I had a fan right behind me. Um, who's to say? But you look at current media, whether it's books or movies or whatever, and they have all those experiences that they didn't get to experience. Um, so they have to start creating new stories with these new experiences for people to relate. Mm -hmm. um, because even just like watching a movie now from like the 90s is like oh my god i can't oh. believe they said that they did that look at hey. the way that they're interacting i can't um, i see now i'm watching old movies which is basically all of them right it's uh, pre-covid yeah. it's basically everything out there right now and for, for at least another year i would i would guess was all filmed pre-covid people yeah if not too it's like i am like people are hugging people are sharing food People are sitting down at restaurants without masks. I mean, it's only been seven months, um, really five months since the lockdown. We're still at the beginning of this and already you see the, the changes. And so in storytelling now, we're going to see this break, right? Uh, we're we're, we're, we're going to have to. And I think like, you know, sitting at home writing, you know, just writing down your thoughts and writing down, you know, the ideas of what could have been, you know, 
it's going to, I think it's going to solve two things and I'd love to get your take on this. Right. First, the, the thing about books is that unlike movies and television shows, the production values, you know, the production requirements are fairly simple. You write, you edit, you format, you publish. We're lucky to live in the age of self-publishing that's been around now for a while and uh, has never been with it, with Amazon, with the big, the biggest player on the block, it's never been easier to distribute your work or, you know, um, to, to a large audience, if you know, how, if you know what you're doing. But for the people who are both locked down, it seems as though you're going to, you're going to run out of that Netflix content sooner or later. Um, not to say, you know, you know, not to say you won't get into reruns, but anything new that's post COVID, you're not going to have that mm -hmm. type of storytelling. So if you're craving that, the, you're going to start seeing, and you, we already have started seeing books, eBooks coming up. Yeah. Right. And so like, while you're there, you, you both need to consume those stories and maybe tell them at the same time. And um, have you, have, you know, have you seen anything like that so far in some of your engagements with your clients and with prospects? I haven't seen it too much. I'm still running into people that are waiting for things to go back to normal. Oh, There's still you. some denial. Um, but I am running into a lot of people that are taking advantage of the time and saying like, hey, you know, what am I waiting for? I've got nothing left to lose. You know, I've lost my job. Unemployment's running out. It's either do this or go struggle. Um, go struggle in an economy where either nobody wants to work or it's in a field you're not in. Um, like in my area, the only thing that they're hiring for is like caregivers and like factory work but like manual labor factory work so it tends to be male jobs um so i there there's two sides of it there is i have the time right now i have the ideas i'm i want to create content because yes netflix and amazon and whatever sort of tv shows you're we're already disconnecting from them we're already seeing in just stuff that was just put out earlier this year where it's like this isn't realistic anymore it, it, it breaks the i don't know, i want to say like the fourth wall but that's not even that but it breaks like that kind of like reality of like this could yeah, you, you, you know you this could be me your, your disbelief anymore the suspension exactly of that's gone. that's the word i'm looking for yeah, yeah. um and so people are they want to put out content they want to start something new whether it's an author career or writing a book that will support whatever career they do want to do. Um, I'm seeing a lot of women and entrepreneurs want to share their voice for the first time. Um, so it, it's creating content to escape from, but also creating something else to work towards. Mm -hmm. um, I'm seeing a lot more self-motivation of, I just want to do this for myself. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I think that's going to continue to blossom, not only in the fiction world, but in the nonfiction world. Um, so we're seeing all sorts of fallout from this pandemic by itself. Mm -hmm. So tell me, let's talk a bit about your business then. Um, so you, you, you launched it very recently. You've already gotten a lot of press from what I've seen. You are prolific already on social media. Um, we are working together. You've, you've given me some wonderful strategies of already for my, for my, my own post COVID, uh, fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you see for your own business, um, in the next six months? What do you hope to see? I am hoping to keep working with authors that want to self publish and they want to do it the right way the first time. Um, there's right. so many scams out there, um, vanity publishers that say, oh, I do my, your book marketing for you and I publish it for you. And like, I just take it completely off your plate. Uh, and so I really am trying to fight back against that because people are investing a lot of money in that and getting very little return. Um, so I actually teach the process of self publishing. So you know what you're doing. Um, you have control over your copyrights your ISBN your situation so that when um, movie and film producers do come along and they want to take your book and create it into some sort of other form of media you know you have the rights you get all the benefits and bonuses of that you're not waiting for traditional publisher to make up their mind and I think traditional publishing is really going to suffer 
because they have to adapt their entire model of what they publish on a dime. Self-publishing, the only person taking the risk is yourself. You're the only person investing, but you're also the only person risking, where traditional publishing doesn't have that. They have an entire yeah. company that they have to oversee, and that's why they get so picky about the manuscripts that they pick up, because they have to have some sort of guarantee in their mind that they can flip that manuscript, make a bunch of money off of it, so that you can make money off of it. Uh, and we just cut out that middleman and give you the control, give you... I mean, you have to do all your marketing yourself 90% of the time. Um, so why not just do it the right way? Don't worry so much about um, the overwhelmingness of it, but let me kind of like take that burden off your shoulders and say, mm -hmm. tell me what you need. I will give you the best route there and you'll kind of take all the steps yourself, but then you always have kind of like that coach or that mentor to lean on and um, answer questions when you run into an issue. Um, yeah, and you've already done that for me. Um, the strategy that you helped me create, it's uh, the calendar of, of tasks to perform on social media and posts to make once once I get my button gear and get everything, you know, written, right? So we're using yes. a, Wattpad, a, a Wattpad strategy. Uh, yeah, just tell everybody listening, just uh, in brief, why Wattpad is a fantastic platform to use right now. I love Wattpad and I think Wattpad is good for anybody who wants to actually connect with your audience because Wattpad gives you the platform to post your stories uh, and kind of interact like social media where people can look you up based on your hashtags, your themes, what genre you're in, uh, actually find you just based off your profile so you can share that. Um, and they can read chapter by chapter along with you as you're posting. They can comment on the chapters, specific lines in the chapter they can comment on. So it's great for beta review um, and getting their feedback. Personally, I like it when you just, they leave comments on the just like little bits that they love or like a quote that they're just like, oh my God, I love this. Or they'll relate it to something else that they really enjoy. And so you kind of, you get to know them on, um, like a more basic level, like an actual interaction. Um, you'll get messages from people um, just telling you how much they love your work and what you're doing uh, and wanting to get to know you. Uh, yeah, and, and, and they're giving you your feedback because you have the option on Wattpad to either publish all of your chapters or to do it a chapter at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd mentioned to me one of the things that, that appeals to me about that and also frightens me is they can get they can actually the 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 users sorry your readers and your followers can actually help you shape the story as it goes giving you comments and feedback with each chapter that comes up yeah and you can ask like questions like hey i have a decision coming up i'm weighing one option or the other which would you prefer and you'll get responses um people yeah. love interacting on wattpad and it's a worldwide platform so you'll get readers from everywhere. You'll get readers from Europe and um, Asia and Indonesia and Africa and Australia. And so you get a, you, you get also a get, like, yeah. idea of where your readers are located at. So right. it makes it even easier when you do go to publish with your revised and edited version and all the extra goodies that you throw into the published version. Um, and mm -hmm target those countries, target those areas, and like make sure that you include those areas on your overall distribution plan. Um, you can take those people and like, hey, want to interact with me even more? Come and join me in my Facebook group. And you can start populating kind of like your own fan club um, to the point where they will create content for you. Like there's just, mm -hmm. it gives you like a direct access to your reader and they get to interact with you and like as a reader and like as an author like that's the coolest part about sharing writing is that you can write and someone else will read it and appreciate it yeah and and here's the so let's talk about the money question given that there are a lot of people unemployed but people are still buying books and if you're self-published and can market it this is the time to do so mm -hmm. so um let's say so i have three other books already completed and by putting variations of Paris my current manuscript um, up to Wattpad on a regular basis as you've said 
um, so that the readers can anticipate when it's coming and, and maybe share and whatnot. Um, while they're waiting, they can also then visit my other store and, and buy, buy my books that way. Um, and I want to say that in, you know, just clearly on this, on this, um, on this episode, because I'm sure many people listening are looking to writing and making money through writing. And they may think that this is kind of a hail Mary that, you know, uh, if I just, if I write something, you know, we have those pre those pre COVID illusions about you can't make money as a writer Mm -hmm. or if you do, you have to write nonfiction. But in a time like this, I would argue that the terrain has changed and people are craving escape or they're craving the resolution of the current circumstances as we've been talking about through other means. So let's say you have a, there is a would-be self-published fiction author, has never written a book before, is sitting on the fence listening to this right now. So the simple, so the simple question, can you make money from this right now? I would say yes. Um, part of it is just taking the action. Uh, with Wattpad, um, they do have like premium features and options that if you write a good enough story that they'll back you into their program and people can pay you directly just to pay to read per chapter. Um, and there's other platforms out there that can do that. Um, with the actual self-publishing process to publish today, there is like a 60 day waiting period to get royalties. But then once that does come in, that comes in monthly. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also other ways to make money off of writing. Um, Patreon is becoming a big thing where you can share updates and information about stuff. I mean, people have done Kickstarter projects for their books and been funded that way. Um, there are plenty of ways to interact and engage with an audience online while writing your book and get support, get donations, make money to sustain yourself. Um, you just have to be willing to put yourself out there and do it. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't just do one video and then expect to make like a million dollars or write one chapter and like everybody's like scrambling to read and buy your book. Mm -hmm. um, it, it takes consistent work and that's why that consistent posting and consistently reminding people, hey, you know, you want to read more of my content. I don't have more of this ready for you, but I do have this book that's already published or this story that's already done you know, go, go read it here. Um, mm -hmm. And continuing to invite people to support you because that's how you build relationships. That's how you build connections. And before you know it, people are like thrusting money at you saying like, let me buy your stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and there's always going to be money mindset issues, but you of have course. to act through them instead of waiting until every moment and every decision is perfect. Um, we connect with the imperfections of each other. Um, so it's time to embrace those little imperfections and just go for it. Well said, well said. So you have a favorite case study that you like to talk about. I do, I do. Say, so, so for those of you who are still skeptical or if you think that you can't make I know a lot of you know, a lot of you are listening, and you got to make your groceries. You're not getting the government bailout monies just yet. You're having to scrape by. I, I understand that. So you may be tempted, and it is. This isn't a silver bullet, right? It's it's definitely mm -hmm. takes a lot of work. You you will definitely need to do something in between. So I want to we want to you know temper what's possible with what's necessary in the short term, right? That being said. If you do it well, like the case study, you know, that um, I'm going to ask you to share, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you do it well, it can take you to some really amazing places you never thought you'd be. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell, and, and tell everybody. Your so my favorite story. author from Wattpad, and she's still updating. She updated this weekend. I haven't read it yet. Um, she started writing this book series called Death is My BFF when she was 14. Started posting the series on Wattpad. Like literally wrote enough words to like put out like five books into the series and then decided to start rewriting the series. 
now she has like two books into the rewritten version. She has since then completely rewritten the entire book and is working on a um, professional manuscript, as it were, to get picked up by a publisher. She has enough chapters on Wattpad to literally fill probably, I don't know, like 10 books worth of just paperback, you know, 400 page books. Um, and throughout all of this, like she, she's built this entire community. She has invited them down to her Facebook, invited them to her other social media profiles. Um, she has literally millions of reads on her books and she is holding out for a publisher. And in her Facebook group, more than once, people have asked, why are you, why are you waiting for a publisher? Why don't you self-publish? You have the content, you have the readership, you have the audience, you have the relationships. She could literally publish her rough draft versions that she has written on Wattpad and people would buy them just to support her. Um, she has no Patreon, she has no other like, PayPal, send me money, like to support me thing. Um, you know, she went to college, she has, a, I wanna say a degree in like creative writing or something like that. So I can only imagine there's student loans there. And I admire a person for sticking to their guns. But at the end of the day, if you want author goals, like that's author goals, like having your readership just being like, you know, make merch and we'll buy it. Uh, publish your rough drafts just into paperbacks, just so I can own them and we'll buy it. There's two rough draft versions plus the unpublished version. That's three versions of one book that people would buy just to own, just to say that they owned all three versions. It's the same mindset of when you love an author so much that you own the ebook and the audiobook and the paperback and the hardcover. And you just, you don't need all those versions, but you buy them anyway because you love that author and you support them so much that you feel like they deserve your money, their, their compensation, because their art is worth it that much. And that's years of cultivating an audience. But that's also cultivating an audience and then not doing anything with it. Um, and that's what I really stress is like, you can build the audience, but like do something with it, like give them what they want. Like, and you're, and you know what? You, you may be tempted to think, I have all these great fans. And, I, and I'm taking advantage of them somehow by putting out a product that they have to pay money for. But it's like, you they value it. They, they'll gladly support you. They don't want to see you starve. They want to see you okay so that you can keep producing that content that they love. It's, well, a, fair, it's a fair trade. It, it, and it is a fair trade. And it's almost, it's almost rude not to like let them give you money. Because like to them, like they're not like giving you money because like you're ripping them off or you're scamming them. Like that's how they show their support that's how you back someone mm -hmm. um currency isn't just a way to buy things it's also another way to like show your support like show like what you believe in and like who you want to invest in um mm -hmm. it's no different than going to the store and you know having to pay for the brands that you prefer over the other um like you're choosing that company or choosing that person or whoever it is for a reason um, mm -hmm. and to like not let them show that support. Yeah. It's like, you have to be willing to receive it because like, it, it's almost like an insult. It's like when somebody, you go to somebody's house and they've cooked you a meal and you say no, because you're worried about the trouble they went through to cook a meal for you. Mm -hmm. Well, they already went through the trouble. A lot of them, right. they, already have, they already have the money. They already have the interest. They've already got you at their dinner table. You, exactly. It's just, just say yes, right? Um, and you're, I'm so glad you brought up the money issue. And, and we could talk at length of this, but I know uh, we've got to wrap up soon. But um, yeah, the money issue is a big one, especially for new artists, especially if you've been working a nine to five job. And you and I talk about this privately all the time, the mentality of that, where we're accustomed to low wages, not being appreciated much of the time, and especially recently layoffs and very unceremonious job losses as well because of this whole situation. Mm -hmm. um, so we might have these certain ideas about the wealthy. We don't like the 1%. You don't have to. We're not talking about you becoming the 1%. We're talking about you being able to pay your rent. Right. And there's, uh, you know, there's, there's honor in that, right? And there's ethics in that. 
we're, you're not you're not going to be like um, certain people who have like five yachts and may occupy certain political positions right now that they're not qualified for, right? For example, right? No, and it's yeah. a continuous recirculation of mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Uh, when 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 you hoard it and it stays still and you can't do anything with it, it has no value. Um, which is why spending it on books you like, spending it on music that you like, spending it on TVs and movie shows that you like, like that is important. And like, that's how you stimulate the economy. That's how things keep moving because that artist that you pay for their book or whatever else they've created, um, you know, then they can take that money and go to the farmer's market with it. And, you know, like, it's constantly moving and that's why supporting each other and supporting ourselves is important um, because getting through this economy struggle is going to be continuing to support each other and continuing to work with each other and maybe being a little bit more conscious about who you're giving your money to. Um, but that that's not going to stop people from spending money. Um, I heard a nice metaphor, I think. <laughs> Um, in terms of the flow of abundance, even during hard times. Let's say if you notice a waterfall, the, the water, a waterfall is essentially just currents of water falling over a familiar cliff edge. But depending on the flow of the water, sometimes, say if you have like lichen that's growing in certain spots, right? Sometimes the water will move a bit to the left. Sometimes it'll move to the right, the current. And sometimes the current will just completely leave the lichen high and dry. So if you're there when the current has left you high and dry, you might think that the money's gone or that the water's gone. It's not. It's just moved over somewhere else. And we've seen that here, right? There's always a way to find... Um, I didn't think this would turn into a, a motivational post, but it, it kind of is, right? Um, there's always... The money has gone into a different direction. And right now, the direction, a lot of that is storytelling. So you may have lost your job, um, but this is... You have an opportunity here to actually create something that people can buy and and when you think of the other thing i was going to say too is like you know let's say you have a net amazon let's say you publish on amazon you have a net uh, return however you priced it of like five dollars per ebook download or let's say 10 let's be generous right just because i it's easier math Mm -hmm. you sell a thousand copies that's a fair bit of that's a fair bit of coin you sell ten thousand copies because you built up a following yeah, you know, it takes a, as you said, it could take sixty days, ninety days, depending, right, to to get the engine going. Mm-hmm. But that's income for work that you've already done once, and you're writing to people who are more likely to purchase books and stories these days. Yes, and if you have, yeah, and a series yeah. is yeah. killer. Like, yeah, if you can write a series, then you're setting yourself up for success, um, because that's the thing where uh, I mean, even with a decently priced paperback selling 20 copies in a month, that can be a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And that can make a difference. It could. And again, huh. we're, not, we're not talking, you know, just uh, Beverly Hills level of wealth. It's just, it's, this is survival with extra and the possibility of more than survival, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's, it's not the most loftiest of goals and it's good to keep that in mind. Uh, last, uh, last question then. Um, where can people find you to work with you? And do you have anything big coming up that they can join in? Um, I'm going to be publishing this the week of, well, this, it's currently uh, July 15th as we're recording this 2020. I'm going to have this up within a few days. So do you have any uh, events coming up that you'd like to plug? Uh, I'm still working on stuff, but, oh God, my phone. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Otherwise you can find me on pretty much all social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, I'm starting on YouTube. I'm starting on Twitch, either at Becca's Best or Becca's Best Author Services. Um, right now, I'm focusing actually just working one-on-one with clients, doing um, a lot of like proofreading, editing, formatting, and self-publishing process, and then really um, starting to focus on book marketing and how that's going to look going forward. Um, yeah. Social media is where it's really going to be at because that's where everybody's at right now. Everybody's stuck at home, so we're all online. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I have to interject. Becca is underselling her book marketing right now because I have to tell you the impact that it had on me. Okay, I had this project sitting around, and then I thought about doing it, and I didn't see a way. I was overwhelmed when you gave me the strategy that would be needed. When you broke it down for me, you breathed mm-hmm. new life into my project. Thank so, you. 
Yeah, uh, you're, you're, be, you're being a little organized. modest, and I want to make sure that uh, that comes out. So thank yeah. you, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it is. It it can be very overwhelming, and for me, it's gotten to the point where it's not. I've studied it so much, I've worked the system so much that you just you break it down into small pieces, and you work it, and you just start working it a little bit more every day, setting goals for yourself each week, and um, before you know it, like you've set a pretty solid foundation for yourself, and then it's just keeping up with the consistent work. So uh, it can, the whole process, self-publishing, book marketing, writing, getting it edited, formatted, like how, how do things look? Where do things go? Uh, it's, it's become simple for me. So I have a hard time um, mm -hmm. hyping it up because I'm just like, oh, that's easy. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. Uh, so if that's something you're struggling with, I am your girl to talk to. Yeah, there you go. All right. So again, the, 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 the point of contact, where can they find you? Uh, it's usually Becca's Best or Becca's Best Author Services, no spaces, um, and otherwise just Becca'sBest.com. Okay, perfect. All right, Becca, thank you so much uh, for uh, taking the time today. Thanks for having me, and good luck, everybody. And that's it for this episode of the Ghostwriter and Pub podcast. If you would like to follow along my latest manuscript, Variations of Paris, please find Variations of Paris, Jody Aberdeen, at wattpad.com. New chapters should be posted on a semi-regular basis, assuming I can keep writing and keep saying at the same time. If you'd like to learn more about the Ghostwriter and Pub podcast, if you have any feedback on any episodes, this one or episodes past, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Ghostwriter and Pub podcast, if you are an author who is writing COVID-19 fiction of any sort, send me an email. I'd love to chat with you. Jody at jodyaberdeen.com. You can find us on Facebook at Ghostwriter and Pub podcast, as well as anywhere anchor.fm distributes podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and be safe, everybody.